Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alright, it's a special, very special Friday episode, number 77 for November 12th, 2010. On today's show, we'll be discussing our favorite articles from the magazines in the blogosphere, a few good posts coming from the Wood Talk Online forum, and how to fix an exposed domino or biscuit. That should be interesting. We'll also have a fun game of Pick the Fake Story, which we're stealing from other popular shows, because those are always fun to do. And we're going to have a little technique roundtable that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So before we get to all that good stuff, Matt, you want to tell them how they can get in touch with us? Absolutely. Of course, as always, there's a couple of different ways that you can contact us if you ever have a comment, a question, or maybe a suggestion about something you've heard in today's show, or of course, you've something heard previously or you would like to hear in an upcoming episode. We're, we're doing the whole time travel thing, whatever way you want to go. But uh, you can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, which seems to be the most popular way of getting your questions and comments in. And that voicemail number is 623-242-2450. Of course, we'll have that uh, at the end of the show. We'll have it in the show notes. But there's a couple other ways you can get a hold of us in case you don't want to do any of that stuff. You can Contact us by Twitter, all three of us there. I'm at MBW Podcast. Mark is at Wood Whisperer, and Shannon is at Renaissance WW. And we're even on the Facebook, too. And I don't know where you've been. You've probably been living under a rock if you're not aware of this by now. But Wood Talk Online has its very own forum. In fact, you can find it at woodtalkonline.com. Head on over there. It's a free membership. Get in there. See all the good stuff that's going on. There are so many new things that are happening, popping up every single day. I have completely given up on trying to keep up with them. In fact, I don't even do it anymore. I wait till somebody says something to me about, hey, did you read this? And I'm <laughs> like, take a look oh, at wow. This. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's those are all the different ways you can get a hold of us. But as of right now, I say we head right into the show. And let's go to our first segment, which is what's on the bench. And Mark, let's let's talk with you. you you've got a little something special going on. I mean, literally little. So what's going on? What are you trying to say? Jeez. I don't know. That's, that's so rude. Personal. I can't I help know. it. I was born that way. People say that to me all the time. They're like, you're like a little elf. I just want to pick you up and put you in your pocket. I want to pinch you in your pocket. What pocket is that, buddy? Um, yeah, actually, I'm working on the advent calendar. I've actually been complaining about the advent calendar for several weeks now because, you know, it's one of those little projects, guys, that you just you underestimate how much detail goes into these things. Um, and the small scale, everything just becomes like exponentially more difficult when it when you're dealing with these little small parts. So I really have a renewed appreciation and respect for for like the folks who make dollhouses or scale miniatures. Unbelievable. I mean, and mine is crap compared to what those people must do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, so the advent calendar is pretty much done. I'm, I'm putting the the paint on. I got paint all over my hands from from painting it all pretty much all day long. And uh, I think by tomorrow I should actually be done in the video. The second uh, of the two-part series should be up by, I would say, Monday or Tuesday of next week. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to see this one go. Nice. Right in you time know, for the I holiday, basically. I watched that video and yeah. I was like, better you than me. <laughs> you like <laughs> that? those little tiny holes. <laughs> Measure in nails. 330 seconds of an inch from the data. I'm like, oh, what am I thinking? But it was that was what I had to do. So <laughs> it's like, you know, lather, rinse and repeat. Cut yeah. this data. Now cut it 4,000 more. Huh? <laughs> right. This is not, this is a great weekend project. 
Uh, that well, that's what I was hoping it would be. Is one of those you know the holiday projects are always good for for that type of thing. Stuff that you can batch out. The only thing you're going to be batching out is you know this one project because you got to batch out you know a hundred dados and uh, you know a hundred little holes and put little pins in them and. 25 doors it's it, it was an absolute blast so that, that's when you turn around and say guess what kids there's only 12 days this year <laughs> right there's other doors on the here song, but right these don't open it's kind of a trick actually you can make it a game which ones will open <laughs> there you go. Well, maybe you could borrow those uh um those magnifying glasses from Carrie, you know, so that way you could get a <laughs> yeah. better look at that. Everything's in, in focus. And then when you take them off, you're like, the world is so huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all, altogether, it's not, it's not a terrible, terrible project. I'm, I'm definitely exaggerating about it a little bit, but I won't be making another one anytime soon, but um, I think we're going to really appreciate this one once it's done. So, but that's it for me, Matt, what's the deal? Uh, it looks like you actually reached a milestone here. Yes, I did. I, I completed. I think everybody by now has aware that I had a plane kit that I was going to build 18 months ago, mm-hmm. and I finally finished it up. In fact, this week I put um, the the final touches on it, and I've had a chance to take it for a little spin around the workbench, and I am so in love with this thing. It's insane. Um, I managed to put a couple of just quick iPhone pictures that I had up. They weren't really the the best in the world, so once I you know finagle the wife into taking some really good pictures of this for me uh we'll be seeing it but i did record pretty much all of the build so we'll we'll see how this went i will just give you a little teaser up ahead of time right now kind of a um a, a plot uh what's the word i'm looking for destroyer um uh runer uh what's uh, the word i'm looking for uh, spoiler there you go. That's it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's it. That's it. A wow. destroyer, a ruiner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ruin everybody's fun. <laughs> but I actually kind of, in putting it together, I didn't follow the directions like I was supposed to because I don't know if anybody ever runs into this. You get something fun to play with and you just want to put it together really fast that the instructions are kind of like one of those things you refer to afterwards because it's not working the way it's supposed to. <laughs> uh, that happened a little bit with the kit, but luckily... Uh, it was able to put it together without any major issues, and the things I did skip over um, really were optional. So whew, totally kept, you know, had some good luck on that one. The, <laughs> nice. the, the really neat thing about this is, you know, how you had to play with one at, at Woodworking in America, oh, Mark, yeah. and how I had like those little thin, wispy shavings rolling out, almost gauzy like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I still need to kind of practice with the honing a little bit, but it's it's really super close. the The mouth on this is it. It's a, it's one of those zero uh, clearance mouths. So this thing is like there's like no light coming through it. But I, I need to just tweak it just a little bit more because in the kit it says, you know, you, you do have to tweak the mouth so that you'll get better shavings from it. But right now what is coming out of it is just insane. So I imagine once I do take the time to just do that final tweaking, um, it's going to just be amazing. So a lot of fun and it looks gorgeous. So really excited about it. That's awesome. Uh, I remember at the show that was at uh, WIA, he had a few models that were there and it was just, it's really hard to describe. I mean, a good operating plane is one thing, but that level, and of course it's expensive. I mean, it's ridiculously priced, but uh, just amazing. I mean, how how would you even describe the motion of one of those planes? I mean, it's a pure pleasure. But, uh, like but yeah, it was i mean Butter. it's it it almost drives itself the the weight you just kind of get that weight moving a little bit mm-hmm. and it just That's what carries all the way across is, it i mean i mean i'm assuming it's the same i i played with his uh you know a couple of years ago whenever the last time i was at woodworking america 
Um, and it, it was so blooming heavy. And he had his, um, what's it called? The miter plane out uh-huh. there. Um, and it just blew me away how freaking heavy it was. I mean, <laughs> I think it's actually heavier than, than Conrad Sauer's planes as well. Yeah. So, Amazing. Um, is it about the same? The, I mean, the kit, I imagine there's no, nothing different from the kit to what he makes. No, not really. I mean, th- this one's it's it's the small smoother. This one's the, the the smallest one that he sells, but this one is still pretty hefty. In fact, I would say weight wise, um, I, I have some uh, East Indian rosewood in it, and it's it's a nice dense-ish wood compared to the pine that I typically use. And but once I I got that in place, I mean, when I'm holding this, I'm gonna easily say this almost feels as as heavy as like my. Uh, my number four and a half smoother from Veritas. It, it, so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty dense. Cool. So once you get this thing moving, it, it, not a lot wants to be, you know, in the way. And it's small enough that my tiny little mannish hands can cup <laughs> this thing just the right way. Your little boy hands? <laughs> my little boy hands can, type, can, 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 can cup this thing just the right way. And you have that combination of the weight and how you can literally cup this thing. And you can hold it down perfectly tight to the surface and i i really think that's what helps give some great shavings from it to be quite honest with you um so yeah between the the density and everything it just it's wonderful i'm in fact it, while you guys are talking i'm gonna be in the other room periodically doing <laughs> some shavings with it trying to tighten up those shavings a little bit <laughs> exactly cool that is the kind of plane you sleep with that's for sure Right on. Wife doesn't like that but you know what i snuggle right up she'll get over it um shannon what's the deal in your shop um, I am fully ensconced in this um, walnut card table that I'm actually building as a as a Christmas gift for my in laws. Okay, it's um it's a lot of fun actually. I got the um, cabrio legs are done, and I'm working on that um swing leg, the gate leg, um, those oh, okay. cool mm-hmm. little knuckle joints that come together. Right. Um, I <laughs> shouldn't probably say this out loud, but. Uh, I started making them by hand, and I was like, yeah, okay, this one's coming together. And then I started making the other one. I was like, all right, screw this. I'm going to the table. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You can admit it just because you're Mr. Hand School Tool Guy. Now. I run a hand tool school, Mark. I mean, it, well, the great thing is the hand tool school videos, and the the, the, the beautiful irony of it is seeing the, the table saw, the, the band saw, the, the jointer, <laughs> all his power tools lined up right behind him. There's nothing wrong with that. I seriously thought about moving them out of the shop when I shot those, and I was like, you know what? That's just a lie then. Why would I do that? Yeah, I mean, it's realistic. There's nothing nothing wrong with that approach, but... Yeah, no, it's when you, you you need the green screen back there, and then you could have like a nice meadow being superimposed on top of it. There you go. You can walk across Actually, a fake yeah. meadow and, and pet your dog with your yeah, axe. I need, that, right? I need that creek that Underhill crosses on the way to the shop. That'd be sweet. <laughs> it was one of those things that I, I, I cut the first one, and I, I cut them before, and it was like, okay, you know, I did it. I did my, my, my penance, if you will, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right. I'm just going to go in because, I mean, frankly, it's finger joints. You know, there's right. really, there's not a whole lot of skill required to cut them by hand. It's just a saw cut and a chisel. It's just the same way as a dovetail. And you're just kind of like, all right, let's just get this done now. <laughs> let's move on. So is it more, is it pretty much like a finger joint? You just sort of round over the ends and, and drive a, a dowel through all of them? Yeah. yeah, it starts out as a finger joint. You keep it all square and then you fit it together so that it's it needs to be a really tightly fitting joint mm-hmm. and then while it's fitted together really tightly clamp it to you know a fence or something like that and that the drill press just drill right down through the center and then um then you begin rounding over the knuckles 
mm-hmm. so that it, and you've got to do a little bit of pairing so that it's not so tight. I mean, you do want it to swing right. uh, relatively easily. And then, um, you know, you drive in the, uh, the peg and you're good to go. Cool. Yeah. That pretty neat. Good. So, so is that the, are you working that out ahead of time or have you already built much of the table and you're down to that joint as, you know, sort of a later stage thing? Oh no, no. Uh, there's, there's a lot more to be done. Okay. All um, right. the, the essentially the the carcass is done um those those fly legs those gate legs um, depending on who you talk to um that's kind of like an outer apron mm-hmm. then there's an inner apron that actually connects all the way across from from leg to leg that's usually made out of like a secondary wood in my case i made it out of poplar mm-hmm. um and then only uh, then there's like a it's almost like a veneered walnut front across the the front of it I mean, it's not veneered it's a full with our full thickness board mm-hmm. that actually has that swing leg built into it. So obviously when this leg swings out, the table doesn't fall apart. It's not like you've cut your, your apron in half. Right. So that part is, is done. I just need to now fit the um, swing leg part to the outside. Then I have to do the top and the top obviously has a rule joint on it. So those, those wings can, can drop down and I have to do all that. So, right. Right. I haven't figured out exactly how I want to do that yet, whether I'm going to glue up the whole top in, um, it, cause it's a, it's a square top, but it's got a kind of a decorative butterfly edge on the side of it, mm-hmm. whether I want to just do it all as one piece and then like cut off the, uh, the wings or I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured that out yet. That's, that's next week. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Keep us posted. Hey, by the way, you know, who has swing and fly legs? Matt does. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I love to show them off. If it had been a lot warmer at Woodworking America, you all would have been <laughs> seeing something special. That's right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving uncomfortably into the articles and blog posts that we found that were uh, interesting. I'll go first. I was checking out the 2010 Find Woodworking Tools and Shops annual issue while I was in the potty, and I noticed this great article, uh, Cutting Edge First Aid. And you would think, okay, it's, you know, it's first aid. How much do we really need to to revamp here? What are we going to revisit? <laughs> um, this this article goes into some depth about, like, you know, taking an X-Acto knife and, and helping to, to slice out a splinter. Um, what, what, yeah, I mean, what you need to go to the emergency room for and what you don't. It shows you the areas of the hand where you have, um, you know, possible tendon damage. If you get a cut in this area, these are areas you are more likely to need to go to a doctor versus just a cut that's going to heal up on its own. Uh, The proper way to apply, I mean, we've all heard, I think we've all heard that you can use uh, super glue or cyanoacrylate glue to uh, close up, you know, sort of like a a stitch basically to close up a wound. Well, how many of us have actually seen it done properly? You know, I mean, I think yeah. if you hear that, I know, I know I personally would not do that just because it's like, yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know how true that is, you know? Um, right. <laughs> it's like a well, I read it on the internet. It must be okay. Yeah, exactly. So let me just squirt some of this on here, a little quick side activator. I'm good. Is um, it supposed to burn? Is it supposed to burn? <laughs> Yo! <don't> deep. <laughs> yeah, so they show, they've got diagrams showing the right way to stitch across the wound, not actually put CA glue in the wound. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and then just the, the use of soap and water versus disinfectants and just a lot of really 
interesting things that uh, lay it out in, in a really helpful way. So that's the 2010 Tools and Shops annual issue. And there's there's quite a few other good articles and things in there that you would want to check out. These um these are some I don't know sometimes they're hit or miss, but this one I think is particularly good. So check I that one out. I assume you shouldn't use the the quick set activator because every time I put that stuff on, the glue like smokes and burns yeah. and <laughs> puts off this like, really caustic fume. Yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah, it does say specifically in there to avoid that. So I, I wouldn't. I'd leave that on the shelf. I think right. you know. I mean, that, the funny thing is that is when I would want it to set pretty quick, but <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> the chemical reaction in in the uh, the open wound probably is not a good idea. I wonder if this means that uh, Fine Woodworking Magazine is starting to take a step to uh, and maybe move to a new sister magazine, you know, like Fine First Aid Magazine. <laughs> and they're going to do a special crossover edition or something. Maybe one of the the uh, the editors over there has decided to maybe pick up a side job just to be on the safe side because maybe new new old media is starting to be taken over by new media, and they're thinking <laughs> yeah. First Aid might be a good option. I can get gotta, an EMT license. <laughs> they got to do something, you know. They got to make money somehow. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, that's good though. What, what do we got next here, Matt? <laughs> okay, um, John Econ- John Economaki from Bridge City Tools. He has a blog called John's Blog, and it was funny because I think this one's gonna kind of blend it well into the one I know Shannon has up here. If this is the one you're still gonna go with, but a while ago, this totally caught my eye. Uh, he had a post that he put up that was titled five dollars for a one eighth inch twist drill." Only oh, in I love America. This post. Oh, sorry, yeah, and, that's a great it, post. It is. It, it's funny because it tied in with one what earlier that that Chris Schwartz had done, also kind of ranting about the same thing. And this is like one of those posts that it, it basically goes into this whole thing. In fact, uh, I, I just have to read this this, this one paragraph here. It says, uh, uh, he before that we get to this part, he had talked about the 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 markup on tools that are coming from China. Like the the margin of profit is just insane for how much they're actually costing them to build them. And he said, I thought I was shocked until I walked into the factory section that made twist drill bits. Here they were making for the American market those 59, 89, 119 piece drill sets found at the box stores and other discount joints for 1995. Again, there were rows of women who were dipping the bits in what looked like Easter egg dye. I asked the interpreter what they were doing. He replied, They're making all the bits the same color as these four. The four bits he pointed out were the one eighth, the quarter inch, the three eighth, and the half inch. I asked why. He said, I learned that those four bits were, were, were properly hardened. The remaining 115 bits were made with what I call pot metal. The reason? Because those are the only four hole sizes that Americans use. I asked as plainly as I could if there was any guilt or remorse for duping their American customers. The reply was shocking. In America, if it costs less than $20, nobody complains about quality. Everybody in China knows this. So, I mean, you read that and you're just like, what? Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's kind of scary. That is. Yeah, and, you know, so what? Uh, only four out of the, those large kits are actually worth the money that you're you're shelling out for it. And that, that well, the funny thing about this is, I just got done reading this article the day after I had gone to like Lowe's and bought some odd sized drill bit that I needed, and I was complaining about the price of it. And then looking at this, I'm thinking, oh, I so underpaid, and it explains why the hole that I made with it was so crappy that's just it's <laughs> unbelievable that's kind of crazy i gotta read this i missed this one yeah, yeah so we'll have the link in there and like i said he even has a link in his his post for uh one of the original ones that that chris had done where he basically was talking about 
you know, the fact that people complain about premium tools, <clears throat> shelling the money out for them, but they don't think twice about shelling out over and over and over and over again for some piece of cheap crap stuff from somebody else. So yeah, yeah. eye opener. Yeah. And I think this does tie in pretty well to what, what you've got there, Shannon. Yeah. I actually put two things down because the first one, you really just have to go check it out. Um, it's Wilbur, Wilbur Pan's blog, giant Cypress. <laughs> he did the, uh, overheard at a Lee Nielsen tool show. And there's something very funny about it because it's one of those services where you kind of type in your text and it does the computer overlay. And it's like this little animated, um, animated forest creatures, like talking to one another, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's flipping hilarious. And I I specifically say flipping hilarious because that's not what they say in the video. So rental guidance suggested. Yeah. Earmuffs when you, when the kids are in the room, definitely that movie yeah. but um it's it's well worth it's the same type of vein of a, a conversation going on at lee nielsen about you know oh yeah this is great i really want to do this and then the price comes up and suddenly the consumer is like but that's really expensive so go check that out um <laughs> we you know the funny thing about that is uh um he had actually contacted me shortly after that. We were joking around that this would be a great article. And I think I should use the com- the computer voice too for spoken wood because this is so dead on. And I wouldn't mind having this one played over and over because it's, I still watch it. It's hilarious. I make the kids sit down and watch. I'm like, hey, you want to watch a little Nickelodeon-ish kind of show? <laughs> Nickelodeon-ish. Nickelodeon-ish. Um, a buddy of mine actually just sent me another one of those today. It seems like every industry is going in and, and doing its little video like that. And this one was on someone uh, putting out a bid for uh, talking to this woman about a kitchen remodel and trying to, you know, talk to her about how much the bid is going to cost. And she's like, but my friend got it done for $500. And he's like, the materials won't even cost. (laughs) They're going to cost more than $500. It's impossible. My friend got it done for $500. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's the same type of thing, but those are always good. They're funny. And your friend is hot and she (laughs) (laughs) special, special deal for the hot chicks. Well, the only other thing I put in here is more of an announcement than anything else. Um, There is a a new blog called the saw blog. That's up sawblog.wordpress.com. Sounds boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with saws? Because I'm looking for information on saws. I think Maybe you might saw be able to find plays. it at the uh, saw, saw blog. Hmm. So those of you that use saws, hand saws, you should go check it out. It's very, very well written. Cool. It looks good. I'm on it right now. Do they cover chisels? Uh, no, that's the chisel blog. Yeah, you're, oh, in the, should... you're in the wrong place if you're at the saw blog looking for information about chisels, Matt. Got right. it. Got it. I have trouble with that. <laughs> the, the two just cross... You know, yeah. Anyways, nice, cool. Yeah, destroyer, destroyer. All right. <laughs> so from the forum, we got a couple uh, posts listed here. We won't spend too much time on this, but you want to go check these out. There's one uh, particularly that that's been lit up this week is power tools and hand tools living happily together. Dogs and cats living together. Ah, yeah. Uh, so we've talked about this all the time. I'm not going to go into detail, but everybody's given their their two cents about how you can sort of marry the two together. Um, you know, we have an iTunes comment about that later too, which is kind of cool. Um, there was another one on the beginner's tool list, which I thought this, you know, this kind of thing could be a potential sticky post for the forum. Um, cause that's always coming up and this is more in terms of hand tools. Uh, in fact, I think this is in the Neanderthal forum, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So that's always a good one to find out, you know, what, what tools to start out with. That's a big question. Uh, lots of different versions of the mm-hmm. answer too, but, um, Oh God. Yeah. That's as varied as snowflakes to be quite honest with you. So yeah, it's a perfect yeah. time of year. 
<laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So check that out. We'll have the link for those in the show notes. You guys got a few more there. Yeah, I, I put up one. Uh, was uh, frustrated just cutting a straight line, and basically this is one of those. Um, I, I think all of us at some point have have dealt with this, uh, whether it was with with a table saw, we just can't get it lined up the right way. It's not a line. We would have crappy fence. But I think it was uh, Ben S uh, is the, the name that he's going by in there. Basically, he was having an issue with his he's using a circular saw for straight cuts on or uh, ripping cuts on plywood and just talking about how he's using a, a straight edge and he's having issues with his circular saw and it went to the whole thing about things to look for. And I, I just think it's a neat one because I know I, I wrestled with this so many times. Yeah. You know, in the beginning there, it's like, I just I just want to rip this plywood in half and I keep coming out with an S shape. What the hell's up with that? <laughs> you know, if I remember that post correctly, it was it turned out the guy that posted it, there was some real issues with the saw. But there was a couple of comments in there that were just it started a whole other line of thought. It was like, you know, don't blame the tool. Yes, blame the yes. worker type thing. And, and yep. you know, it, for a minute there, it started to get I was like, oh, no, this is going to get really ugly real fast. But it was a really I wish I could remember who wrote the comment. Because it started kind of a subtopic of that about, you know, I know guys that have been using crappy tools all their lives and they make beautiful, beautiful stuff, you know. And, yep, yeah. you know, the solution, if you can't cut a straight line, isn't necessarily go out and buy a Festool track saw, you know. Right. Maybe take a look at the tool, take a look at your technique, take a look at all these other things. Um, and And I think, you know... Americans, at least what the Chinese people tell me, is we don't really care if it costs less than twenty dollars. <laughs> so, but it, it, it was a really, really good point about you, you know the answer isn't necessarily just go buy a more expensive tool. And you right. know, God bless us that we have so many incredible options for high quality tools. But still, um, sometimes yeah. it's not the answer. So, yep. Anyway, I'm taking, I, I'm taking notes here. Do not buy expensive tool to solve problem okay now i know that's right yes go, uh, go to harbor freight it's a little late <laughs> it's a little late for me um you know <laughs> honestly my first festool purchase was because of that exact thing i was doing a lot of plywood projects and i would have you know that first rip of course the the stuff that comes from the you know lumber yard isn't straight enough so i would i'd rip it on the table saw and i'd get just an imperfect cut it wasn't straight enough uh, and then I would try with uh, one of my little clamping straight edges, and that would never give me a good, you know, uh, the quality edge that I really wanted. And I was using a decent porter cable saw. It was set up, you know, correctly, had a good blade in there. But it just, you know, between that and trying to get a dead-on 90-degree uh, cross cut at the end of a long piece, you know, like a long cabinet side or something like that, or a bookcase side, was mm-hmm. just, I mean, you would think it was a lot easier than that, but it was just a nightmare. And I And I was doing things at, you know, I won't say a production level, but time was money and I needed to get them done faster and more accurately. And, uh, and that's when I jumped into the world of Festool at the time. So. Yeah. My, my first one, just to kind of stay on this, was my grand, my grandfather, I inherited all of his stuff and I was thinking, you know, Oh man, he's, this was fantastic. And the more I start using this stuff, I'm like, dude, there was something wrong with that old man. What the hell is wrong with these tools? And it explains a lot. Cause I used to think that he was just down there talking to his tools, but it turns out he's probably just talking to himself <laughs> Man, this stuff was whack. <laughs> I mean, nice. It was really bad. <laughs> um, you know, one more thing. I didn't add this to the list. Someone brought it to my attention. I didn't realize, and, you know, we were talking about the forum and just how many posts go in and out, and it's hard to keep up with. I missed a pretty important one. Uh, my buddy Vic finished, or at least is close to finishing. Um, it's a product called Gretchen's Cradle. 
and I believe he's making a cradle for friends of his, and it's a really nice project. You guys got to check this out. I know it's Vic's sweet. been he's been focused on building his shop for like the last year and a half or maybe longer. I, I, it's been a while, and it's really cool to see some you know some uh, stuff coming out of his shop. Uh, and I've known Vic since the beginning. He's actually been one of the earliest uh, supporters of the Wood Whisperer, so he's a, he's a good friend. Um, but check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes and uh, take a look at the, the stuff he's making because it is pretty uh, insane in the membrane, as we've been saying all night long. Sweet. I'm going to go go to Vic's house and take a nap in that cradle. It looks awesome. <laughs> it looks comfy. I could probably fit in it. Well, maybe a little bit. It'll it'll fit like a six foot four guy, won't it, Vic? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I curl up real tightly. Hey, speaking of which, I heard you say that in in your last video that you were six four. I had no idea you were so tall. You look you look about four inches on my uh, screen. That's funny how that works. It's it's the encoding in the video. <laughs> it is. Is that H dot two six four that does it? I'm compressed. <laughs> All right. You see a chiropractor about that. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Common task quiz this is something i kind of sprung on the guys i I basically told them about it right before we went live and uh, i think maybe i don't know maybe we'll do something like this more often it's going to be sort of a quick fast-paced round table where i'm going to name a particular uh scenario Uh, that's a little a little bit too fast matt a little bit too fast sorry um so i'm going to name either like a technique or a situation and how that person would approach it. Because really, you know, if you go around the room, we are quite different in our approaches on a lot of things. Um, so, so I thought it would be fun and hopefully informative for people who just want to see how these things can be done. So here we go. Got a couple of them. Uh, are, I'm about to read something I shouldn't read. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Cutting dovetails. All right. So here, here's the thing. Uh, let's start with Shannon. Cutting dovetails for two drawers, Shannon. Are you going to do that by hand or with a router? By hand. Uh, Matt, what would you do? Uh, by hand. All right. How about for 10 drawers, Shannon? By hand. Loser. Uh, Matt? <laughs> I guess I'm a loser then because I do it by hand too. <laughs> really? Ten, ten, 10 drawers? I mean, so, so here's a question. Is there a limit? Is there a point that you would, uh, that you would go to a machine method? Well, I have to have a machine first. I don't have a router oh, jig. Oh, okay. So that's... Which is some of it. I, I used to and... I think they're one of your sponsors, so I'm not going to trash them on this show. But um, I didn't like how it performed. Are you talking and, about that uh, piece of crap Rockler jig? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It was very bad. It was exactly what I paid for. But it, no, I mean, I've, um, let's see, I'm trying to think if I've ever actually built 10 drawers for a project, but I've done six drawers. Yeah, and, it's not, not the most common, but, you know. No, I mean, you, I... I will usually in that instance, I do tails first because I'll clamp the the side pieces together. In many instances, I'll take like two, three drawers and Mm -hmm. gang them all together and cut them all at the same time, cut all the tails at the same time. Oh, nice. It doesn't take that long. It goes pretty quickly, actually. You get in a groove and you get get rolling. Now, if I were doing one of those like apothecary table Mm -hmm. or apothecary things with like, you know, 64 drawers. (laughs) Yeah. um, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't have the option. I, I would cut them by hand, I guess. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think if I hit 11, 11 drawers, I would probably go yeah. to a, a jig. Now, uh, I, I would say anything above 10, I probably would really start seriously thinking of, of going to some sort of jig, you know, especially if I had a very tight timeline. I mean, obviously, I had 18 months to build a plane kit that I should have built, you know, <laughs> over a weekend. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> anything above 10, that's when I, my, my hand tool limit kicks in and I say it's time for 
holding something in my hand that has power. Yeah, I would say for me it's five, but but that number may change if, uh, I don't know, maybe you're building a Krenov cabinet or something that has a bunch of drawers on the inside and they're smaller drawers. You know, then that just, mm. that just kind of begs to be done by hand no matter what. Um, right. But basically for good-sized drawers, I think anything, you know, over five, I'm going to be, you know, that Lee Jig is going to be calling my name. <laughs> okay, next thing. You're making a very utilitarian bookcase for your office. Solid wood or plywood? I'll go first, and I'm going to go with plywood. That's just what I'm – anytime I think of something utilitarian, for me, I want to knock it out as quick as I can so I can get onto something that I would think would be more of a challenge. Yeah, I'm going to go plywood too. Shannon? Yes. I don't Super know how to accept answer that answer. Number, <laughs> I'm not sure how to, to interpret that. <laughs> no, I, I honestly think it would be both. Yeah. You know, I could use plywood for the back. I would probably use solid wood for the shelves. I might mm-hmm. use ply for the sides of the case, but okay. it'd be both. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would, I, would, but... I, would use, uh, I would use solid for the trim for sure, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe a face frame or something depending on the style. Yeah, so when I think of the idea of using solid wood for any type, anything, when somebody says solid wood or plywood, I think when you use that term, solid wood would refer to like the, the whole thing is made of solid wood versus mixing the two of them. So, yeah, yeah. same thing as you, Mark. Okay. I'm going to reiterate the reiteration. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for reiterating. Okay. So similar to the dovetail situation, one mortise by hand or power, Matt? Um, I... I I don't know. I, I use a drill and a, and a chisel. Is that power? Uh, I, if I think if you go with the drill or drill press to start it, I don't. I, I would count that by hand. Okay. Yeah. Hand. Um, same for you, Shannon. One mortise. Yeah, One. probably I would use a mortise chisel in that instance. Right. Okay. Um, let's bump that up to like a mission style bed, and it has a bunch of rails, and you're looking at maybe uh, twenty five or thirty mortises. Oh, Mortising machine. Yes, that's Hello what I would chisel be. Chisel mortiser. <laughs> I'd be incorporating that into the overall cost of the to build the bed. <laughs> that you know, that's what I used to do. Actually, I used to if if a project, I would almost like seek out projects that would give me an excuse to buy a certain tool. Um, yep. it's wonderful how that works. Okay, I think we're all pretty much on the same page there. I think I would probably do, I don't know, maybe f- two mortises by hand, and then <laughs> and you know, you know what? Let me be honest. One mortise. I'm using a router. Just. <laughs> Just for expedience. Uh, okay. You made a dining room table for uh, a busy family situation. Um, so it's going to get a lot of wear and tear. What's your finish on the table? Polly. Mm. Polly. Shannon. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Polly. Yeah. I'm thinking armor seal, which yep. is Polly. Well, just that's ex- what I was thinking actually, but just yeah. Expensive Polly. Absolutely. I'm glad we're all in agreement on that. Um, that made it very boring, but, uh, Last one here. You've got pegs. Uh, maybe you filled some. Well, you probably didn't fill screw holes. You did something where you had a, a peg that's sitting proud of the surface. You need to flush it. Um, what are you going to use, Shannon? Uh, flush trim saw. And and go to the point of finalizing it. Um, obviously, it's not ready for finish at that point. So you go to a hand sander, oh. a block sander. What do you do? I, I, yeah, I'd flush trim saw and then just use a smoothing plane over top of it. Smoothing plane. Matt? Uh-huh. Uh, same here. Exactly. In fact, I just did that the other day. I would not take the smoothing plane to it, but um, I get a little nervous, especially on something like a little uh, a little peg and possibly like, you know, the, the, the grain facing up would make me a little bit nervous, but I'm kind of a wuss in that way. So uh, fl- I would definitely flush trim saw and then I'd probably uh, come back with a uh, hand sanding method to smooth it all out. 
You know, the irony to that is I actually have a little jig for my trim router that flush trims things too. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Like one that I actually made, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't use it. Nice. Well, there <laughs> it you usually, usually when I'm coming in with my, with my, uh, my, sm- my smoother, I just tend to kind of angle it a little bit. So I come in a skew mm-hmm. to hit it just the right way. And, like I said the other day, I, I had had no issue with it. One right over the top of versus that, you know, almost like a speed bump, and yeah. then the speed bump goes away and it looks nice. So nice. that's I'm, I'm all hand. Cool. You know, recently though, I'm not flushing the pegs. I'm usually like leaving them slightly proud, doing that cool little like faceted hump thing on it. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, really? So you're just leaving them just just slightly proud, so almost you only can feel it, like you can't really see it, or is it intentional? No, like no, you can eight? see it. I mean, especially because I'm using a chisel um, to kind of round it over and flush it up, so it's a very faceted look. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I'm not quite as faceted as like the little um, squat pyramid looking thing, but uh, <laughs> right. You know, you well, see it a lot in in. Um, uh, chairs and things like that, especially Windsor chairs where the tenon that comes to the arm, it's not completely flush, but it's just kind of a little, okay. little hump and it's got mm-hmm. these kind of cool facets that catch the light. That's what I've been doing recently. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's the lazy way of looking purdy. Nice. I actually, uh, in a furniture store that reminds me, I saw one that was, uh, oh, hold on. I've got a backup going and it's going to start screwing things up. Stop backup. Mark's backed up. Stupid backup. Beep, Actually, beep, I'm quite the opposite. Uh, I had Kashi Golin for breakfast, which uh, no one told me that it was actually Kashi Gofart. Um, I've been, I've been yeah, gas-powered all day long. So Kashi Golin against the porcelain is what it really is. Now, for, fortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't do that to me, but it, it oh. just makes me gassy as you would not believe. Um, boy, that's all. You and the dog sitting at home. That's right. And Nicole's not here, so... That's that's when I have my Kashi. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was just saying that there's a, a silly, ridiculous uh, Morris chair that I saw in a furniture store where they had round holes with square pegs driven into them. <laughs> oh, nice. So that you have that crescent gap on each side of the peg. I'm like, you've oh, got to wow. be kidding me. I mean, and I'm not even going to accept the explanation that that was on purpose. Did they fill those little gaps? No, no. It was just It's just a gap, just a hole there. Wow. Nice. Wow, that's just lazy. Yeah. That that's right up there with my version of ebonizing, which is my nice black Sharpie marker. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So that's our common task quiz. If you guys like that, uh let us know and maybe send us some uh some of your own questions about how we might handle it and we'll sort of handle it in a very quick fashion like that and give you our opinions. Um, what way? Do we what way? And if you want to, you can even send us thing as prizes, and we will award the one who gets the best pri- the best answer, the most creative answer. <laughs> and this will be judged by Matt. Yes, yes. Matt, <laughs> and he'll also give you the prize. So yeah, um, and I'll be like, oh, guess what, guys? Mark, Shannon, <laughs> sorry, you guys sorry. are not creative. I beat you again, guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we had some iTunes reviews recently and we had requested them. And fortunately, a couple people took us up on it and actually went into iTunes and left us a review at Wood Talk Online, which is really cool. And I figured we'd uh, we'd read the two that we got just to give them a little bit of uh, credit and encourage other people to do it. So I don't even know what this name is, but it's AWS3 or AWS III. He says, not or she, I don't know. Not only are these guys super fun to listen to, you might come away learning something. Well, that's that's a little 
inaccurate, but I think that was the wrong show. Yeah. I must've been reading the wrong page. Um, he says, if you're a power tool junkie or a hand tool only guy or both, this is a show that you could listen to and get something out of. Keep up the good work guys. And then we got another five-star review from Jim Butterfield. These guys are great. Somehow they put on a show that's good for both newbies and veteran hobbyists. They also managed to avoid the power versus hand tool quagmire giggity, giggity. and appeal to both audiences or better put to those of us who use both. So, I love the fact that he used quagmire. <laughs> you don't use quagmire quite enough these no, days. And he didn't say giggity just, uh, you know, just in case I, I ad lib that, but <laughs> well, you know what? People are going to put their uh, five star review up. You can actually see if he did put in giggity giggity. So we I, I love how Matt that. doesn't leave the option for anything other than a five star review. So when you put your five star review, yeah, up, they don't, uh, anything less than five stars. Don't even bother. It doesn't. Yeah. You know. Why would you want to be that person? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. I mean, we're doing well there. See, that's the problem with inviting people to do reviews is you actually get reviewed, um, that, which we may not want. So That's true. <laughs> no, but seriously, guys, if, uh, if you have a chance and you subscribe to us in iTunes, go over there and leave us a review because that, you know, that does deal with, like, how it lays out in the rankings. And I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not even sure why we want Wood Talk Online to be popular, but, it, you know, maybe you do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt anything. And, and on top of it, there are <laughs> days when I just want somebody to say something nice about me because it doesn't happen that often. And I appreciate seeing these and knowing that I'm one of those guys. Right. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we do have a couple of voicemails here. They're somewhere on my desktop if I could find them. Let's start with uh, Steve. Steve's got a issue... Resowing. Hold on. I got to push the button. <laughs> no, Nothing from Roberto this week. I don't know what he's doing. What? Oh, no. Hold on a second. He's building an advent calendar is what he's doing. <laughs> That's true. It was his idea. <laughs> he's going, damn it. Why did I suggest this? I got to blame him for that. Okay, here we go. Wow. Why did it take so long to open? Anyway, here's Steve with a question about his bandsaw. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, this is Steve out of Houston, Texas. Uh, I have a question regarding bandsaws. Um, I recently purchased a Rikon 18-inch, 2.5-horse bandsaw, and I've been having a little trouble getting it set up, and um, I'm not sure if the problem is just me and my expectations being too high. But I was hoping to be able to cut veneers and do resaws on this thing to where I can get some really nice smooth wood out of it. Uh, but my, my saws... My cuts end up coming out looking like they were done with a, a really rough tooth handsaw, um, and I've been cutting on oak and maple and walnut and some other woods like that. So I was hoping you could give me some advice. I've tried uh, ten, literally ten different blades, ranging from the high-end Timberwolf, you know, fifty-dollar blades, some one-inch blades that were three-tooth French. I've put on some Lennox blades, which were recommended by Rikon. Three quarter inch blades uh, from four teeth per inch up to six teeth per inch. Some half inch blades about six teeth per inch. I'm getting similar results with all of them. So I was just wondering if you have any suggestions. Um, I've been talking with Rikon about getting the, the, the blades tracking on the wheels and tires properly, um, setting the tension properly. And I've made some improvements, but they're nowhere near what I see like on shows. For example, woodworks, when, he, when David Marks would pull a piece off of a bandsaw, it looks like it's ready to finish. And I don't know if that's just the, the TV, the camera crews, and, you know, the camera tricks where he can just go stand it down and then show it later, or if it's uh, possible to get a smooth cut like that. So please, 
to any information you can, and I appreciate it. Love the show. Thanks. Steve sounded like he had a lot going on behind him while he was leaving that voicemail. Seriously. Is that like the radio in the background and he's like moving stuff? Um, yeah, maybe on? he was in the middle of moving furniture or something. I don't know. Yikes. Um, okay, so he's he's getting a rough cut. Now, I think this just may be what he said. I think this may be a situation where he might have some, you know, false expectations yeah, of, of what you can smooth get. smooth wood, didn't he? Right at the beginning, he said, I'm looking for some smooth cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I mean, I've and I know what he's talking about. You know, you would see David Marks do a cut and pull it off, and it looks pretty good. But the camera and TV is very forgiving, especially on very tight, repeated ridge lines, like what you would get with a bandsaw. Um, I can honestly say, I mean, and here's the other thing. What did David always do after that on the show? He would run it through the drum sander. Drum sander, yeah. So um, I would say that he probably is, you know, is if he's expecting a finish ready surface, no way. I mean, the mm-hmm. the closest I ever got to that was using uh, Laguna's Resaw King, and it's That's probably who makes that. That's the carbide one, right? Yes, and I mean, okay. basically, it's like a bandsaw, but with little, little table saw like teeth. I mean, it's and this thing is meant to be resharpened. It's hundreds of dollars, really expensive. But it's the only saw, the only blade I've ever used that even came, you know, came close to being something that I would consider almost ready uh, for just the light sanding and finishing. The thing is, even now, you know, then even when everything is set up perfectly, you, you maybe stop your cut part way through, you get a little ridge line, you know, and unless you can have perfect feed rate and everything is absolutely perfect, it's still going to be relatively rough. But Timberwolf, Lennox, uh, Wood Slicer, any of those other brands that I've ever used they're all good and they're all actually very, very good. Um, but they all produce a cut that needs work. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, you guys have any different experience with that or is that consistent? No, that was, that was my first thought was just absolutely it, the magic of TV totally kicked in on that one. Mm-hmm. I have yet, even with a brand new blade, putting it on there, getting everything tracked in. I think even when we saw Michael fortune at woodworking in America and he, he did the same thing. There's no way in the world you were going to get it any smoother than that. And that would, just look like your typical bandsaw, you know, teeth going across the wood. So, yeah, I think, I think the real question is, is how is the cut coming out? Is it straight? You know, is there that yeah. kind of barrel curve to it? If it's straight and, f- and flat for a bandsaw, then you got nothing to complain about. I was just going to say he's, he solved his biggest problem. Seriously. That's the part everybody <laughs> struggles with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And from what he said, I didn't get the impression that he's having any issues with drift or any, you know, any bowing or anything like that. So I think he's probably got a good, straight, reliable cut that's just not as smooth as he'd like it to be. So um, them's the brakes, as they say. Yep. All right. We got a question from our buddy, Diami, who um, this is actually a little bit old because I think he must have sent this maybe right after our last episode uh, dealing with the Sawdust Chronicles build challenge. And see, he sent me an email, so I do have, you know, I emailed them about this. So I think he's well beyond this. Maybe he can give us a report while we're playing the voicemail on how his fix turned out. But uh, he had an exposed domino. Ah! Let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear what happened. All right. Gentlemen, good evening. This is Diami from sunny Long Island. Um, I'm working on my Sodas Chronicles Challenge build dealy whacker uh, book stand project singer. And um, unfortunately, I'm going to miss the recording of this show because I'll be finishing the glue-up, which I didn't able to finish yesterday when I was missing Matt's other podcast, or rather Mark's other podcast. But here's the situation I'm in. Is I'm constructing the entire thing out of walnut, and I've done all my joinery using dominoes. I managed to have one of the dominoes peek through the finished surface. 
So I don't know what the actual dominoes are made of, but they certainly ain't walnuts. I was wondering what uh, I might be able to stain or dye that with to blend it in with the walnut. It would be my plan to use just shellac as a finish. I'm not going to go too crazy on the finish. And uh, should I be, how should I be coloring it? And should that be done before or after the shellac, I guess, is my question. And I look forward to the answer, and I'll catch it on the podcast because I'll be in the shop glowing up. Thank you, boys. Bye. Cool. Good question. So, Matt, you said you had a similar experience recently. You want to tell us about right. it? Uh, very, very similar, just a different tool. Basically, I was it was when I was working on the buffet, and I was mitering the, the corners. I was using my biscuit joiner to help align things up, add a little extra, kind of act as a spline in there, and I blew right through the top surface on one of them. I mean, it just all of the profanity that flew. <laughs> but anyways, what I ended up doing was um, I – I could have either re- recut the whole piece and started all over again, but I chose simply to try it and patch it up. One thing that worked for me, and I was just trying to look this up real quick because I, I, um, I wanted to make sure I had a link. We'll put this in the show notes. I don't know if you remember um, uh, uh, Carrie Haltman had had done something with a, uh, a tip that a, a viewer, I think, sent, or a, a listener had sent in be a reader from popular woodworking in which there was using a a veneer patch and you were able to press it down into place and get a really nice fit for it. Mm. When we do the, uh, when I do the buffet video coming up, we'll, we'll see this in action. This really helped me to hide what what ended up happening, hide the whole mistake that was in there. Uh, But one thing he was asking about was matching the color on this. And if anything, um, if, if you choose not to use like an inlay to to cover it up or something like that, uh, if you're if you're going to have this exposed and you want to try and color that in, um, I, I would definitely recommend what there, there's the stain markers that are out there that you can get at like a home center or something. Or you could even go so far as like some of those wax sticks. But I typically you want to do those after you've applied the finish. Um, I'm not sure how well they work in there. I, I haven't tried those that much. But I know from my own experience, my main thing was just using an inlay, like a veneer patch to try and, and fix this. I mean, that's it worked perfect for me. I had the wife even come down and take a look at it. And short of my putting my finger right on it and pointing it out, uh, she didn't see it at all. So that's that's the main thing I had. Nice. Okay. I'm looking at a picture here, the after shot. Um, this, I mean, it's tricky because no matter what you do, it's not going to be perfect. You know, you got to either got to remake the part or just get it to look the best that it can. And I, I don't think he got, uh, I don't think he's completely happy with his result from it, but okay. um, I could tell you what, what I basically, the advice I gave him and, and anytime I've had to do this type of thing, it really for me comes down to working with dyes. Um, so in the case of a walnut background with a, um, and I believe the dominoes are beechwood. I'm almost a hundred percent sure. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. And and if I'm not mistaken, it looks like it's the side of the domino that was exposed. Um, maybe he can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, but either way, uh, what I what I would normally do is take a, a domino itself and then take you know three shades of brown, light, medium, and dark brown, and just kind of you know try to stack it up. Start with the light, then work with the medium, and keep going darker and darker. Um, and this would be on a test domino. This is not on my, my final piece until I get something that is at least close to the general background color of the walnut. And then once you get something that's pretty close, you would then go to the workpiece, tape off the outside area, try to mask it so that you don't uh, spread the dye any further than you need to. Um, and then hopefully you can get the embedded piece to look about the same color. And then one trick that I used to do is even if it's walnut, excuse me, 
Normally, you're not going to dye walnut or stain walnut. Um, but take a walnut dye or stain and go over the entire piece. Hopefully, it'll be a shade darker than everything else. And then right. that will tend to bring everything into the same color tone or the same family um, or at least get it close. And then if you have a problem with like grain lines and things just not looking right, I've done the colored pencil thing and actually have drawn in fake grain lines and then put a coat of finish over top of it. And it actually, you know, sometimes those little grain lines are are what it takes to really make a difference. Um, And I think, isn't it, if you can make it darker than the surrounding wood, it actually blends in a little bit more. I mean, you might even think it's like a bark inclusion or a knot or something, but anytime it's lighter, it jumps out at you. I was actually going to suggest doing like a small inlay and I'm actually kicking myself here because Doc in the chat room has the smartest idea of all. Just make a domino from the same wood. Right. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, my yeah. Thought, my thought as I'm looking at this picture actually is um, I would go for symmetry and try to put a similar one on the other side. And so that way it looks like you're going for a full-on pattern with this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But but what oh. Shannon said is actually a, a really good point in that it's illustrated in this picture. Maybe I'll um, put this picture in the show notes so people can take a look. If Diami yeah, so. doesn't mind, um, but Diami, we're going to put your flaws out in the show notes. If you don't mind being a lesson, uh, I hope that's okay. <laughs> that'll teach you for calling in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll show you for asking for help. Let me tell you, I put all my flaws out there all the time. It's not as painful as you think it is. Yeah, you don't cry yourself to sleep every night. I, I pride myself in my mistake moments. Um, yeah. So the the thing is, he wound up with it being lighter. So I think it really highlights what what you're saying, Shannon. That if if he did wind up going darker, it may not have been nearly as noticeable as as if it's a little bit you know several shades lighter like it is in this photo. So yeah. it almost makes me think you know that idea of like maybe if you painted it black and then covered it up with some sawdust. That <laughs> just sounds like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> just just throw some sawdust on it, kid. You'll be fine. Oh man! But yeah, that's um, awesome though. I mean, it, it, yeah, the close up of that that little. You know, error, sure, that's all we see, but yeah. this is really cool. Yeah, great project. And the bottom line is it's all learning experience, right? I mean, that's why we're doing this stuff. You're going to make mistakes, but guess what? I guarantee he's not going to have any exposed dominoes in the future. <laughs> yeah. You know, that'll be the one mistake he never makes again uh, until he does. All right, so uh, this is a little thing I wanted to do, totally ripping this off from uh, other shows like um, – uh, Howard Stern does this all the time. I thought it would be kind of fun to do in the world of woodworking and it doesn't involve boobs or anything. So, Oh, yeah. in that case, forget it. Well, let's end the so, show. Right so Matt's now. out, um, but it is, but it is family friendly. Um, well, now, now I'm out <laughs> for the most part. Okay. So this will just be me. So here's the idea. I've got three stories and uh, two are real. One is fake and we just have to pick which one is the fake story. And they all involve either furniture or woodworking or something, you know, related to this stuff. Okay, so the first one. Ready? Here we go. All right, very quick stories here. A man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, was admitted to the emergency room to remove a 16-gauge nail from his... Um, When asked how it happened, he simply replied that doing construction in the nude helps him relax. Was this Brett Favre? (laughs) This was not Brett Favre, but I can see your logic there. Uh, he's still on my fantasy team, by the way. Okay. Uh, here's second story. Tortured by a drill. It sounds like a scene from a Hollywood movie. Three men face felony charges for assaulting a 38-year-old man by drilling through his hand with a power drill in the basement of a Detroit-area strip club. Being from Detroit, I totally believe that. I was going to say, do you know anything about this, Matt? 
Okay, and the third one. Upset customer. In uh, in August, two delivery men in Chattanooga, Tennessee, were taken hostage by Thomas Gunn, angered over a furniture delivery error. He took the delivery men at gunpoint back to the store to resolve the problem. Police noticed the gun as the trio entered the mall, and Mr. Gunn was promptly taken into custody. So ba- don't deliver bad furniture or deliver the wrong thing. Someone may <laughs> take you at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, take you back to get the right stuff. So one of those is is a fake. So is it the um, uh, the the nailed wiener, um, the upset customer, or the guy tortured by a drill? Who's you, guessing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to be guessing. Are we supposed to be guessing in the chat room? We're we're gonna guess. The, we the chat okay. room's guessing too, but we're you know we're, we're we have to guess and just kind of move with it. So Matt, what do you All think? Right. I'm going to go actually with story number two. I believe it would happen, but I think, um, well, Detroit, they're more of a hand tool user, so they'd use a, a brazen bit to drill that. <laughs> Boy, that's a little bit more, that's more torturous, right? I mean, that's going to take they, longer. They would get a lot of pleasure from that. They would definitely <laughs> okay, so get wait, a lot. Which one's, the, which one's the fake? I think number two, the Detroit, uh, okay. the, the drill in the hand. Okay. I think that's the safe one. Okay, Shannon? I'm going to say Mr. Tommy Gunn is fake. Third one. Okay, the guy, the the bad furniture at gunpoint. Yeah. Don't ever, don't ever rip me off. My yeah. mother ripped me off once. Once. <laughs> once. Okay, I actually, since I made this up, I I can't vote because I know the answer. Um, the fake story is actually the nail through the uh, the business end. Oh, of the man. Oh. Okay, well, I'm kind of glad then. <laughs> that should be fake. Yeah, I wrote that myself. All right. Um. That just wanted to let you know this is two of the two of the four stories on the uh, back. Well, it's not the back cover. Just inside the back cover in the shavings and sawdust section of Woodworker West. And I think if we promote his his magazine, he won't mind us sharing some of the stories. The uh, November December issue. And again, I, I've talked about this before, even though it is a you know sort of West Coast based magazine production type deal. Um, really good stuff inside this thing. And some of the things at the back are hilarious. Um, and, and those were two of the stories. The Upset Customer and Tortured by a Drill were two of the stories in the back of the magazine. Oh, man, I can totally see the Upset Customer, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? That's crazy. Okay. Sorry, sir, we actually were delivering to your neighbor's house. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, all right, so we do actually have a sweet deal. Uh, Shannon, you, you had something you wanted to mention? Oh, yeah. This was actually sent to me from a, a hand tool school member. Um, Japan Woodworker is actually doing 10% off um, between now and Monday. So hurry, mm. hurry, hurry. But this is the the whole irony I find in this is Japan Woodworker sells Lee Nielsen. I never even thought about that. So huh. if you want to buy a Western tool, go to Japan Woodworker and get it 10% off. Isn't it like sacrilegious to buy a Western tool from Japan Woodworker? Yeah, and actually, I've got to pull this up. There's a coupon code for this, and I need to find it. It's a uh, holiday, and I can't find it. Um, well, we'll put holiday, here it is. I wonder if their two-day delivery actually is more expensive. Maybe. Holiday 10. Holiday 10. Um, and apparently, if you order, you get this little coupon code back saying buy again. So I'm sharing it with y'all. So if I wasn't supposed to share this to general public, I am very sorry, but too late. <laughs> but that's how the internet works. That's right. Okay, now uh, I don't have a tip from Tom, and you could blame him for that. And, and uh, he is in the, the chat room right now, so start blaming. 
Yeah, and, uh, and Ca- Carrie's on vacation, so um, we don't have anything from her. But I do have what I like to consider a uh, a good substitute for both. Is and it that's, the reprise of your holiday intro song? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is <laughs> what you didn't like that. That was great. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, um, this is from Adam King. You guys have heard uh, he's actually on the show a couple episodes ago from uh, live from uh, the Woodworking in America conference. And uh, he's got some tips for going pro, and he was nice enough to provide us with one. So let's take a listen. Hey, everyone. It's Adam King from The Woodworker's Journey with your secret to going pro with woodworking. Whenever anyone asks me, hey, Adam, how do I start my own woodworking business like you? I politely explain that they can't. They're obviously not cool enough to be me. And then tell them that they should just give up. After their initial reaction of punching me in the face, I spit out some teeth and explain that too many times you want to do something, but you keep putting it off until everything's just perfect. The perfect shop, the perfect tools, the perfect amount of skills. Well, if you wait until everything's perfect, then you're never going to get started. So just give up on the idea of perfect and start with what you've got. I know it's not the ideal shop, they're not the most expensive tools, and your skills don't resemble Sam Maloof's yet, but it's what you have right now that matters. Start with what you have now and give up on waiting until it's perfect. For more secrets on turning your woodworking passion into a profitable business, be sure to stop by woodworkersjourney.com. I mean, if these guys had waited until it's perfect, Wood Talk Online would have become the name of the hottest new adult chat room. Since when is it not the hottest new adult chat room? Yeah, really, seriously. Jeez, I don't yes. know. I don't know what he's talking about when he's there, but that's what I'm. Has he been reading our five star reviews on iTunes? <laughs> Wait, so you're saying there's porn on the internet? Um, uh, on my internet, there is. I thought that was only in the back of Sears catalogs. <laughs> um, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta check this out. Uh, it reminds me of an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> A really funny one. You can always find something to remind you of the Family Guy. <laughs> that's true. It's a second reference in this show to Family Guy. Okay, well, that's actually all we have for you guys today. Um, if you want to give them all the contact info, we can get the his L out of his ear. No, I don't want them contacting us anymore. All We're going right, to just then. keep this all to ourselves. See you guys later. All right. No, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it just because so many of you are threatening me in the uh, chat room right now. I'm just kidding. Anyways, you can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, 623-242-2450. Find us over at Twitter, MBW Podcasts, at Wood Whisperer or at Renaissance Woodworker. Find us on Facebook. But you can definitely find at least Mark and Shannon over at woodtalkonline.com. I sometimes have a hard time navigating over there. So... <laughs> Yeah, occasionally Matt will peek his peek his head out of the ground, look around, and then run back in. That's it's, it's pretty much it's a harbinger of winter. Right. Uh, Matt Matt showed his head, or he saw his shadow this year. So, um, is that it? I cut you off. I don't know if you finished. I think I finished. I want me to go through it again. Let's go through it again. One more time. One more time. <laughs> All right, An I'm encore. <laughs> Look in the show notes if you want to know how to get a hold of us. That's yes. the best way to do it. That is true. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. It was. Uh, I think we had almost 100 viewers in a live stream, which is pretty cool. Sweet. Um, I like this Friday thing. Maybe we'll make a, a regular night of it. Absolutely. I just got to make sure I don't eat those chili dogs before we get in here. 
And just I gotta build... I gotta lay off the Kashi Golin, I think. <laughs> there you go. Just build like a soundproof room around your little studio there and Nicole can do her show. That's what we need. We need a soundproof wall in between us. I think that's a good idea. She'll love that. All right. <laughs> Will well, that be showing up on the guild or on the free site? Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a free site project, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Plywood and uh, you know, foam from Michaels and all that stuff. I'll send you all my egg cartons. That'll be useful. Cool. All right, everybody, thank you for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you in a couple weeks. See ya. Bye-bye. See ya.